on this episode of Why Watch That. I do have to crown Miss Sienna Miller as a stellar actress in this. She was perfectly cast. She's mm-hmm. one of those um, metamorphosis kind of women. She can turn into anybody. And they ended by killing a character that I loved. I oh, loved. Boy. Oh, no. Boy. entertaining from a visual standpoint it's really light you don't have to think a lot about you know what it, it, it is what it is the plot simple they're racing cars it, i mean what we just described <laughs> well Why Watch That as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why Watch That. Presented by Dynamic Network. Why watch that sneak peek? Well, well, well. Mm. I finally get to say the critic and I got a chance to see (laughs) a sneak peek of the new movie called The Lost City of Z. Now, here's the lowdown. We saw this back uh, last year at the New York Film Festival. And it was one of the culminating... uh, stories or, or films that was displayed and we also got a chance to listen to the cast and the director give responses as well as um, all of the hoopla that goes with it so if you want to check out listening to that Q&A you can go to our website at www.whywatchthat.com if you really want to dig into this movie now by cast we mean a lot of cool people but first the director James Gray also wrote it yeah yeah. And it's based on David Grand's novel of the same title. It's not a novel. It's nonfiction. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, not, yeah, not a novel. It's it, based on the book, rather. Yeah. I jumped the gun with that. Thank you for correcting me. Sure. And um, the cast. Well, the cast it has some pretty familiar epic <laughs> actors. Uh, Charlie Hoonan, who is very familiar, if you know Sons of Anarchy and, and all of that jazz. Robert Pattinson. Um, Sienna Miller, Tom Holland, along with amazing, great British actors and European actors of the like. Now, the question at hand is, is the lost city of Z worth a $15 loss in my wallet? And I'm going to venture to say, yeah, but let's establish why. Hmm. I will reserve my answer to that question for later. Now, as you said, based on nonfiction bestseller of the same name, we have the true story of British explorer Perry Fawcett, and that's Charlie Hunnam's character. He goes into the Amazon. Yes, everybody, you know what it looks like. Going into the jungle, on the boats, all of that. And it's 1906. He discovers the some evidence that there is a previously unknown and advanced civilization that lives there. So it's a two-year expedition. He's there with his good buddy, Henry Coaston, played by Robert Pattinson. That's his Who you will not recognize. You will not recognize. No. Facial hair, glasses, and all. 
skin bones. Yes. Um, so they're trying to map this territory. They get some help from the locals. Can um, you trust the locals? Can they? That's right. They come back to England and they let this society, this uh, ex- exploration society, know about what they found. And of course, they are laughed out of the room. And the question now, is why? Why are they left yes, out of the room? That's right. So this doesn't get Fawcett down, though. This only spurs him to want to find this city even more. Now he has a wife, Nina, played by Sienna Miller. He has a young son who was born while he was on expedition. So he doesn't know. That's right. So Nina is really the supportive spouse here. She's in his corner all the way. And what happens is they go through a second expedition and they are this time are joined by a wealthy guy, a wealthy adventurer, James Murray, played by Angus McFadden. Can you trust him? Mm. Now, remember, this guy thinks highly of himself, but is he ready for the rigors of this kind of a journey? I don't know. So they go through it all on this second expedition. They are attacked. They deal with disease. They deal with the elements. But they make another discovery. Hmm. He comes back home again. And I'm skipping a lot of stuff. Yeah. He comes back home again. It is now World War I. And he doesn't know his family. He's been away for too long. But scooting forward into the future, he decides after retiring to come out of retirement to go back once again. Now with his older son. His son is now late teens probably and his son Jack is played by Tom Holland at this point Spider-Man there you go they go back together to find this lost city of Z once and for all the question is do they find it and if so what does that mean and what does it cost so here's the I think I need a nap after that okay yeah it's it's a lot it is really a lot of different how should we say different sides of this movie there's a lot happening and what i will say about all this the reason why i'm really interested in to hearing other people's reactions to it at the time the, the, the question is why why was he left out of the room why was it why was it such a ridiculous notion that there could be an advanced society in amazon the heart of the matter is in britain in britain and other uh first world shall we say countries they prided themselves in bringing civilization to wherever they colonize. Right. But they had no notion or didn't even take as true the notions that there could already be established civilizations. So that really is what drives um, Percy is that he's showing them that there is already an established, well thought out civilization without colonization. And that was a definite threat to the mental infrastructure of Great Britain and all of their efforts that they've done to bring civilization to other uh, countries and places. So that, to me, I I was already grabbed in and pulled in. I was really interested to see. Now, the performances and my reaction. Here you have some well-cast actors. I didn't think anyone was really miscast, especially when you get to the uh, subsidiary characters. Uh, such as the British, the British Council. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, those scenes were absolutely hilarious. The faces, the tit for tat, the whole argument on whether something 
uh, place this place is civilized or not, whether they should fund things or not, the whole politicking that goes into it. Every you will watcher listener, you will get a kick out of all of those um, characters and actors. They were yeah. all cast perfectly. Yeah. Uh, along with the um, Angus. <laughs> Which yes. is great. Uh, the the James uh, Murray character, perfectly cast as a person, a politician who sort of wants to dive into it. Well acted. Um, I know that um, Angus McFadden is not necessarily um, British, but his accent was perfect and great and wonderful. I will also highlight the fact that Tom Holland, who is, keeps surprising me, I really enjoyed him in this movie as this torn teenager who really wants a validation from his father and eventually follows in his father's literal footsteps. Yeah. I thought that relationship, especially that last expedition, was wonderfully played out, especially when you see what they had to go through in Battle Those Elements. Now, some real MVP, MVP here goes to uh, Robert Pattinson, which I who I didn't even hardly recognize him. If I didn't know it was him, I would not have recognized him. I thought his performance was so solid, absolutely solid as this man who believes in Percy's passion and literally throws himself on the line to get that dream to come to its realization, to actually expose the civilization. There was real drive and motivation behind Robert. I really enjoyed his performance. I do have to crown Miss Sienna Miller as a stellar actress in this. She was perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. She's one of those um, metamorphosis kind of women. She can, you don't, she can turn into anybody and any time frame in the 20s and the, oh, oh, in the early 1900s all the way to the future. She really is solid in this. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, as far as Charlie goes, now, I know you've watched his work before. I had really no point of reference for him. And I thought he did a fair job. Not a fair a fine job. It wasn't anything that was, you know, over the top kind of that makes me want to rethink, you know, my whole outlook on acting. He had to battle the elements, did that wonderfully. He had to have the passion and the drive, did that wonderfully. I just don't know, and here, and I'm going to end with this, if the writing necessarily carried him far enough and what i mean by that we talked offline this really was a very long movie i would go see it in the theater and i do recommend that if you're interested in the the things that i've discussed like the whole notion of other civilizations if you want to get inside of the politics and outside in the elements this movie really cinematography or cinematographically displays some of james gray's wonderful um work as far as implementing his vision goes it was it was beautiful and they talk about in the in in our q a what they had to endure to get that to us as the audience i say it's worth visually for that the question is really what platform does this belong on for me is this a movie that should be experienced in the theater it can work but it's long but i thought wow what a great project for hbo and bbc to come together and do like a four to five two hour um installments of this really flushing out the whole journey of percy and how he came to expose this lost city of z so my recommendation is i don't see any harm in going to the theater just prepare yourself to not drink anything before and really endure this ride of 
in and out of different elements, different time periods, and different locations. Yeah, and this uh, runtime is uh, about two hours and twenty minutes, so giving you understanding of what the ref is saying. Um, when it comes to what you were talking about with those uh, council scenes, it's if you've seen Taboo, the TV show with Tom Hardy on FX, it's similar with those scenes. Not the whole show, but those particular scenes, that's what we're getting. I will say I agree with most of what the ref was saying. I think she did a great job of summarizing that review. I will add this. There is just too much, and this is what the ref was getting at. There's just too much in the story to do the way it was done in two hours and 20 minutes. When you have someone like Sienna Miller giving her all, it's not enough in the movie to develop the character because then you want more. You're like, well, wait a minute. There's one scene where she lays it down and you want more of it. So then that's missing. So then you go, oh, where's more of her? It's just, it's either too short or too long to tell this story the way it could have been told. When it comes to Charlie Hunnam, I think Charlie Hunnam did great work as an actor before they started filming. However, and this is a knock on the movie for me, the first half of the movie, it was too much of this whispery talking. I was struggling to listen. It just undercut all of the intentions that everyone was doing. So it lacked the power that it could have just on that mark. And I think that Charlie, as he moves forward, hopefully will use more of his voice. I know it's film acting, but more of his voice so that his body and voice will give us something that is great. The rest of the cast, you took care of. Second half of the movie, the sound got better for me. It definitely looks great. It was shot on 35 millimeter film. You have that nice texture to it, all of that. So I think overall, it's good. It's not as great as it could be. It doesn't reach the epic heights that it aspires to. But if you wanna see just a film on a grand scale, definitely see it in the movies. Be ready, as we've already said, for that runtime. Otherwise, if you have a nice flat screen TV and you don't quite have the same amount of patience, you'll probably get something out of it at home as well. All right. So the Lost City of Z opens, uh, what is that, April 14th in a theater near you. We say check it out. The question is, how? Did you know? Part one. Look, everybody, I know it might be a shock, but instead of the ref, I have the producer here trying to give me a did you know. Yes. You trying to challenge me? You're coming for me? (laughs) So go ahead, ask your little question. (laughs) All right, critic. Which revered actress campaigned to appear in the Fast and Furious franchise? Hmm. Okay, let me think. I'm going to think about this one, and I'm going to come back with some sort of answer. Mm Mm-hmm. This episode of Why Watch That is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of audiobooks for download to your computer, phone, and MP3 player. Sign up today to try Audible free for 30 days and get a free audiobook of your choice. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash why watch that to get your free audiobook now and to support our show. Did you know? Part two. Okay, we're back. I've been thinking, you know, there's a little rumor going around about who's in it. 
I know Charlize Theron was added to the cast, but I don't think that's the answer. I think you're trying to throw a little twist here. Okay. Is it Helen Mirren? You're saying Helen Mirren, aren't you? Yes. Ah, well, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. You're going to tell us this in the review. We're going to get to that. Yes. But we know Helen Mirren's great. We know, look, she's been in, like, other movies like this. She was in Red. I mean, you know. Right, right, right. So, stay tuned, everybody. Back to I Watch That. Another Why Watch That sneak peek. The critic got a chance to see a sneak peek of the new movie, Norman, a.k.a. Norman, the moderate rise and <laughs> tragic fall of a New York fixer. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it is directed and written by Joseph Cedar. And, and it's, it's so, you know, it's his first English speaking film, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is, yes, he's a New Yorker. Josh Joseph is, but he lives in Jerusalem and was raised there. It stars Richard Gere. We are um, Ashkenazi, which I don't know his work very much, but we do know Michael Sheen, uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg, uh, along with a ton of people, Dan Stevens, to name a few, Josh Charles shows up somewhere, a ton of people who kind of flashed through Hank Azaria. I am a fan of Richard Gere as a New York fixer. As an aging one, I want to hear more. <laughs> Yes, so he wants to be a fixer. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, so he's not even a fixer. That's the question. So at the beginning, let me tell you something. The cinematography of this it was ve- very telling, very smart. We start by, we're in Central Park, New York. We see a massive picture of that. Huge. And it, it even starts with a couple of characters standing there. They look really, really small. Then we close in to Norman. Yeah. To his face, so we can see what the director's telling us, what Joseph Cedar's telling us. This man has major aspirations, and he's not a young guy, as you said. Okay, so we see Richard Gere there. Richard Gere, as Norman Oppenheimer, wants to become relevant in the power circles that are present in New York and connect New York to Israel. Mm-hmm. He has a nephew played by Michael Sheen. Mm-hmm who has some of the goods. So we see they meet and Norman's going to Michael Sheen's character saying, okay, tell me who you know, give me their backstory, how much money do they have, that kind of stuff. And he's taking notes on a napkin. So this leads him to Dan Stevens' character. Dan Stevens, also known as Legion, Okay. Also known as Matthew. Hello, that's where we really know him from. No, not anymore. Now. <laughs> <laughs> now, he's an assistant to a major financial mogul. Sorry, Matthew as in, you know. Downton Abbey. Yeah. So he is, again, an assistant to a major financial mogul. And Norman meets him on his daily run. Now, Dan Stevens is going, no, leave me alone. This is private. Go through the proper channels, dude. What is wrong with you? Norman doesn't take no for an answer. Now, the question is this, everybody. Where does Norman sleep? He's roaming the streets of New York City. Mm. He wears a suit. He has his bag. He has his uh, iPhone and his uh, headphones. But where is he going to stay? He ends up at a synagogue. One of his good buddies is a a prominent rabbi played by Steve Buscemi. Yeah. (laughs) 
So Steve Buscemi's going, okay, Norman, I know the deal. What are you up to? All of that kind of thing. All of this leads to Norman meeting a major player in Israeli politics. And that's played by Lior Ashkenazi. His character's name is Micha Eshel. Now, he is not the prime minister of Israel, but he is underneath him. So not too far away. But his career isn't quite working out the way he wants to. Norman seizes on an opportunity to get into his good graces just in case this leads to something later on. What Norman does is they're at the store, L'Anvan. They go into the store. So Mika is trying on all of the clothes and shoes. He figures out the cost of the stuff and goes, oh, no, 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 I got to get out of here. Norman decides to buy some shoes for him after many protestations from Mika. Now we shuttle forward three years. Norman finds his way into a room where now Micha is the prime minister of Israel. Oh, boy. He's there with his nephew. They're going through the line, and the whole time, you know, he's he's a big talker, everybody. None of what he says is really true. So he's talking up his relationship with Micha, all of this. He finally gets in the line and starts going, oh, no, maybe this is a trap. Well, they finally get up to Micha and his wife and his handlers, and Micha goes, Hey, Norman, I- I've been looking for you. All of this stuff. It's like, where did this come from? Now, everybody, Mika has been avoiding Norman. So we're like, what is the deal here? And this leads to Norman being in a room with all the major power players that he wanted to get into some sort of business deals with before who rebuffed him. Well, now they're interested because who's this guy that knows the Israeli prime minister? So all of the people who said no to him, including Josh Charles, who I didn't mention, They take an interest. Now, this leads to problems later on because Norman can't shut up. He meets a woman who was there at this gathering on the Amtrak train back to New York. She works as some sort of lawyer, prosecutor for Israel. I won't tell you exactly how because it doesn't matter. But it's something like the Department of Justice. She takes an interest into what Norman is saying and figures that maybe something's up. So she investigates. This leads to Norman possibly bringing all of these people down. So the question is, what's the end for Norman? What's the end for these people? It says, as you read in the subtitle, the moderate rise and tragic fall of a New York fixer. So he doesn't get quite as high as you think he would. But what does that tragic fall mean? You'll have to watch the movie to figure it out. It may not be exactly what you think. Okay, do we need to see this in the theater or can we just sit at home with a bag of chips? Yeah, we got to talk about the performances and then I'll tell you because it's linked. Richard oh, Gere right. does a really wonderful job here as this guy. He really does. So I would say if you like Richard Gere, you want to see him in a role that he's we're not used to seeing him in, great. The supporting cast, they do their jobs. I think that the director, Joseph Cedar, has some interesting things to do when it comes to the visuals at times. There are some comedic moments and there are some other moments where you go, okay, this is dragging on. So just like the synopsis suggests, it takes a while for them to get through some of these scenes. And I think that a stronger edit would have helped. Um, Now, should you see it in a movie theater? If this is your thing, you love, again, Richard Gere, you want to see this kind of story and you don't mind uh, it dragging on a little, I would say, okay. Otherwise, it's certainly going to work really well at home and you could pause it and come back and do all of that and watch it at your leisure. I think it's a fine movie. 
It's not great. It has flaws. But it does have some stuff, enough stuff in there for those of you who are interested by that synopsis to watch and get some mild enjoyment out of it. All right. You can see Norman whatever way you want to on April 14th. (laughs) And now, the pick of the week. The Cricus coming at you with the pick of the week, and it's a very familiar homeland. That's right, Showtime's very own. And he's talking about the sixth season of Homeland, which you can check out now and binge it if you'd like to, if you have a subscription to Showtime. It's created by Howard Gordon and Alex Ganza, and it stars, yes, Claire Danes, who occasionally sweeps an Emmy here and there, Mandy Patinkin, uh, Rupert Friend, and among other people. Now, this season, some people make it and some people don't. Well, we find out a little bit more about Carrie and her crazy life. Uh, Yes. Now, this time, Homeland takes place in the United States. So this is a major shift here, instead of us being overseas somewhere in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, that is, I think, a very smart thing for them to do because what goes on has echoes of what's going on in the real world. Mm. Of course. And there are two more seasons left for Homeland and they'll be done. So they this season sets up what's coming in the next two. Very smart plotting. Now, Carrie Matheson, played by Claire Danes, something's going on with the president-elect. The president-elect is played by Elizabeth Marvel, And she has ideas of how to change the intelligence community in the United States. Now, the intelligence community in this show, two sides of it are really exemplified by Mandy Patinkin's character, Saul Berenson, and F. Murray Abraham's character, Dar Adal. Dar Adal is the dark, and Saul Berenson is the light. And that's relative. Yes. Now, the two of them actually are friends. So it's interesting, intricate things going on relationship-wise. Now, Elizabeth Marvel's uh, president-elect character, Elizabeth Keene, decides to try to shut all of these intelligence officers down, lock them up. And the question is, is she trustworthy? The question is, are the intelligence officers trustworthy? Is anybody trustworthy? And we know that Carrie Matheson is in the middle of it all. Now, as a result of this, Carrie loses her custody of her daughter, who's behind that, and she has to fight to get her back. She also finds out that she can't really trust people she thought she could. And we find that the other main character, played by Rupert Friend, his name is Peter Quinn, we see the repercussions of all of the horrible things he's gone through in the previous seasons come to fruition in this season. He's struggling, but he does figure out that there's a plot. There's a plot going on, a terrorist plot, that's being pinned on the wrong person, and he's on the hunt to rectify that. Now, by the end of all of this, everybody, somebody dies, as the ref said, and the way it starts, you don't know who's going to be on what side at the end. So coming to the next season, season seven, and ending in season eight, I am excited to see where they go. They ended by killing a character that I loved. I loved. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. 
goodness, but I'm still with you, Homeland. Thank you. <laughs> you could check out Homeland again on your subscription for Showtime. Or, hey, you don't even have to have, you could just kind of do what, what is it, Showtime? Yeah, it's just the Showtime app. <laughs> yeah. The Showtime app, you can go ahead and do that. Now, we suggest you do it quickly because just like the critic said, you're going to get hooked, line, and sinker in Homeland. Do it. <laughs> A final why watch that sneak peek. Oh boy, it is your boy the critic. And let me tell you something, everybody. The ref is away. But I'm going to play, but not alone. Oh, no, we have a review, a sneak peek coming to us from the producer. Hey. How's it going, producer? Pretty good. How you doing, Critic? Uh, you know what? I'm all right. And one thing I do have to say is, unfortunately, I missed the fate of the Furious. Oh, no. Or not. So <laughs> we have you, our trusty producer, to come in for us whenever the ref and I can't make it. To watch this stuff. So The Fate and the Furious, everybody, you all know, this is the eighth movie in the Fast and Furious franchise. We have a lot of people returning. We have The Rock returning. We have Vin Diesel, of course. We have Michelle Rodriguez. All of them coming back along with Ludacris and so on and so forth. Tyrese, whoever else. We also have additions to the cast, most notably Charlize Theron and Helen Mirren. Oh, wow. And this is uh, directed by F. Gary Gray this time. It's written by Chris Morgan, who's written the film since the third one, I believe. And it's based on characters created by Gary Scott Thompson. All right, producer, before we get to whether we should pay money to see this, actually, I don't know what you're going to say on that. Tell us what in the world is going on in this uh, thin plot. Go ahead. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the lead-in critic. Um, So, so listen. Vin Diesel's character, known as uh, Dom, goes goes by Dom in the streets, um, has decided that he (laughs) is going to retire in Cuba and just kind of, you know, live a life like a normal person. And since the previous movie... Uh, Furious 7, like, everyone's settled down now. Like, they've been exonerated for whatever crimes they've done. Uh, Dom is married to Letty, Michelle Rodriguez's character, mm-hmm. right? And we know that Paul Walker, who unfortunately passed away, right. his character, Brian, and his baby mama, Mia, they've retired, right, from yes. all of this <laughs> shenanigans. Okay, so that's the setup. You're saying Dom and Letty are in Cuba, chilling out. It's not even Letty. That's what's very interesting. Dawn is actually in Cuba with another person. Oh, oh, whoa, mm. whoa, whoa. I wonder who that is. Ooh. And, um, and when he's in Cuba, he is, you know, just living his life. He went out one day to get, get, get his baguette and, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> he stopped in the streets by no other than Cypher, played mm-hmm. by Charlize Theron. And um, and pretty much given an ultimatum, she has some information on him, and she's saying, "Listen, you need to join my team to mm-hmm. execute this plan, yeah, or else." <laughs> that's 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 pretty much pretty much how, how it goes with him. Yeah. Now, and she's a cyber terrorist, right? Correct. And she seduces him, of course, because Charlie's staring. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. 
So his original team, mm-hmm. led by uh, The Rock, yeah. and you know we know the other people that that are, that are part of the gang. They all get together for one one job to apprehend uh, a machine that can that can control you know energy and lights and power and. Dom's character's task is to take it. Okay, so we have this machine. Correct. So Dom is being forced by Cypher. Correct. To get this machine. The original team is trying to stop them, get the machine first, and get Dom back or something. Well, right. well initially, they don't even realize... They don't realize mm-hmm. until they all work together to get it mm-hmm. that Dom is supposed to take it. And that's uh, when, you know, that's when it gets really... Furious and fast, right? So they're fighting each other. Correct. So all the rumors about the onset, offset beef between The Rock or Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel bleeds into what we see on the screen, right? Yes. All of, okay, oh, I wonder how real it is, how real their beef is off screen. Okay, so we got that much. Is there anything else to this plot? My head is spinning. <laughs> that's pretty much it Jason Statham's character who we know is locked up from like a previous movie ends up becoming part of the team because he has dealt with Cypher in the past Uh, so they all work together to collectively take her down so his character who's Deckard Shaw he's a black ops assassin he was an enemy of the team now he's a friend because you know they have a common enemy and he's taking the place of Dom. So I'm over yes. it. I'm over it. I am over it. Okay. We got yes. it. So, it, yeah, they have all of this stuff going on. Correct. Now, tell us, is this worth our $15, as the ref would ask? Is it full of furiousness? Are we still getting the fast part of it? What in the world is going on? So if you're into this franchise, like if you're really into action and cars and stuff blowing up and people chasing each other and a little bit of Cuban flair, I say this could be a fun, you know, a fun little movie that if this is your thing, totally Mm -hmm. like go, go to the movie theater and see it. It's entertaining from a visual standpoint. It's really light. You don't have to think a lot about, you know, what it, it, it is, what it is. The plot's simple. They're racing cars. Is that, I mean, we just described <laughs> Well. <laughs> so if we want to see things blowing up and racing cars, you say go see it. Now, full disclosure, everybody, uh, producer, you have not seen any of the other films in this franchise. No, right? I have not seen any films from the Fast and the, the, fake, the Fast and the Furious franchise. So this, right. is, this is my first one. But I'm just understanding audience reactions. Yeah. There's some people from previous films that kind of came back to kind of, you know, help, you know, mm-hmm. this all come together at the end. So if like, if this is your franchise and there's some people that I don't know, maybe you like really dig dug in like two or three or three or four people come back. I have no idea yeah. who they are, but just based off of the audience's reaction, they showed up. So for newcomers to the franchise, what do you say to them? So, like I say, if you just go into this with like, I just want to see a movie about cars. I want some cheesy humor between the the people who are, you know, on the team. You know, you you like to see stuff blow up. You don't want to think too much about, about anything. This is for you. Maybe you're with a friend who's seen it before. They can fill you in. That was my case. So do you think this is better in a movie theater or is it going to be okay at home? Like, do you need that big screen? So I think if it's your thing, the big screen is nice. 
it has, it has a layer. Do you mm-hmm. need it? No. You can totally okay, watch yeah. it. Home. That's a no. Okay, we got the no. Now, but there is Helen Mirren, and I know yes, she does something, right? She does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not knowing the franchise, I knew that she wasn't in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when she showed up, I was like, where did this where did this come from? So that was kind of fun. Okay, so everybody, you heard it from the producer. If you want to see some big screen action, whether you know what's going on or not, you can try to see this in the movie theater. It's going to be sold out probably, but get your $15 ready. Go with a friend. Otherwise, maybe if you like Helen Mirren, you just want to see her pop up. Hey, go ahead. Or Charlize Theron. Who knows? But we'll tell you this. Why watch that says, this is a maybe. <laughs> Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.